Hello and welcome to All His Movies, the Shia LaBeouf podcast. This is episode zero, or episode 30, Man Down from 2015. I'm Mike Manzi. And I'm Joey Lewandowski, and this was the movie that kicked off Shia's marathon last year. He watched it at noon on the first day. It's the movie that really was not available to us or available to the world, and that's why we kind of delayed recording Man Down. I think we talked about that on the Fury episode. Yeah, we weren't even sure that we were going to get a chance to see this movie this year, let alone in time. Or ever. Right, or ever, let alone in time to release it as part of this project, so that was great. I really do feel like we willed this movie into theaters, that because (laughs) we spent so much time watching these movies and editing the podcast, Podcast, recording podcasts, editing the podcasts. It was like the world or the cinema gods or whatever smiled down upon us and they said, here, you can see this very strange movie, Man Down. Exactly. I was kind of feeling the same thing. Like we put all his movies out there into the universe and, you know, we sort of brought back what he did. He put out watching all of his movies. Now we watched all of his movies. Yep. And it does seem like the universe has answered us in allowing us to watch this movie. So now normally when a movie's out in theater, like for Cage Club, Cage is really the only one that we've, well, I guess also Zach. For Zach Efron and Cage, when they have a new movie out in theaters, we don't usually release an episode then. We wait for it to be on demand or on home video or whatever, just because it's easier to take notes that way. Mm-hmm. I had the luck, I guess, the luck of going <laughs> to see this movie on the opening night, and I was the only person in the theater. So I was able to have my phone out, and I took notes on the whole movie. And so this isn't necessarily going to be as thorough as it would be if we both had the DVD. It's going to be thorough enough that I feel confident that we can put it out. Plus, it's nice to really cap off this one-a-day podcast marathon, 30 Days of Shia, with Man Down. Yeah, I think that's for me is the biggest thing is like you said, we like to wait. I feel like home release is good because then the listener can also have a chance to see the movie before checking out the podcast and stuff. But this was just like serendipitous that it's out in theaters and would conclude our Shia run. So yeah, I didn't really have a chance to take any notes. I just let this one kind of wash over me. I saw it not opening day, but like this Sunday. So like three days after. So like we're on top of this as soon as it came out, just in case it wasn't a around for very long. It wasn't exactly easy to find a theater screening this either, and there were about 10 people sitting with me the other night watching it, but I'm enthusiastic to get into it. It's a movie that we're going to spoil because there's really no way to talk about this movie without spoiling it, because I wanted mm. to talk to Mike about this when I saw him this weekend, and I was just like, I can't bring anything up, because to talk about this movie is to spoil the movie, because mm. everything about it is this narrative twist. It's it's basically a lie, the entire movie, and you get the sense that something is off. It is off in a very big way. The important thing to say up front, I guess is important, I don't know. I don't know why I use that word, but this is the second movie that Shia has done with Dido Montiel, who mm. wrote and directed and was the main character in A Guide to Recognize your saints and so i don't know if he did this as a favor i mean there are other big name actors in this like we have kate mara we have gary oldman we have jai courtney you know everybody's favorite jai courtney (laughs) we have him back with him for the second time 10 years later what i had read was that shia's dad had ptsd and he came Mm -hmm. back and like some sometimes i think shia's dad held a gun to his head at one point like just really crazy intense moments that are sort of captured on screen here. And one thing I read on IMDb, and I don't know if this is true because 
as I say a lot when we reference IMDb trivia, it's sort of subject to maybe it's not true. I don't know. Right. But also considering how new this movie is, this definitely might not be true. But one thing I read said that like Shia began to sort of suffer PTSD by filming this movie. Like it's a very mm-hmm. intense, visceral experience. And especially yeah. if you grew up with that in your household and in your family, it's terrifying. Yeah, absolutely. To have to sort of confront that part of your past and accept it and use it uh, in your craft like he was in this movie, you know, like uh, that's goes along back into like how he's a very interesting actor you know like we say like he doesn't like to label himself as a method actor and that's fine but he's still bringing life experience to the roles and I really like that he you know I wasn't aware that there was any connection to the material but now it makes a lot of sense that he would want to explore this side of his own past you know that this is something that affected him as a kid that like he wanted to confront that and work that out for whatever reason in his own issues is really interesting that that's part of his art and I mean he really affected me in this movie movie like he has you know like he does in his older age work you know the early stuff we watched he's really effective in this movie in that way like very believable I'm with him in this film and I was also wondering how are we gonna talk about this like it is one of those things you you know, we're going to just spoil or not even worry about tiptoeing around any of the like reveals or anything. But it's interesting that this is another Dito film because I feel similar filmmaking techniques going on, like with A Guide to Recognizing Your Saints, like the idea of memory and recollection and using film to express your objective points of view or to externalize what you're thinking internally. He does a really good job of that. And especially in this movie, that's sort of what is like a big part of this is, you know, how does one see the world through their eyes after they go through a traumatic life-altering experience, something that sort of cracks your psyche? It was not what I was expecting. I, I, you know, I had heard it was a crazy movie going into it, so I, I was really just like, what's going to be like the crazy thing that's that's so nuts? And I don't know, like, I really feel like it paid off for me. Like, this movie won me over. I'm genuinely not sure if I like this movie or not. Well, I could tell you right off the bat, I liked it from the beginning because of the setup like i mean that's not a like what we could say is in the beginning well yeah yeah the beginning it shows shia and he is back from war Mm -hmm. and he's walking around a post-apocalyptic america so it looks like it's been attacked while he was away fighting in afghanistan and so immediately i'm like oh my gosh this is a sci-fi film and i was like they're giving away that twist right at the beginning and i thought that was really interesting and so it was kind of caught off guard and not looking for more reveals until much later in the film when it settled into the actual plot and story so here's the thing this movie, when I went to see it, had a 0% on Rotten Tomatoes. I think it was up to 10%. I'm not sure what it's at right now. Let me check it out right now real quick. Right now, as of the time that we're recording this, Man Down has a 9% on Rotten Tomatoes. There's three, three fresh reviews and 29 Rotten Wow. And so I knew that this was a movie that critics hated, and I was watching it with one eye of, what do people hate about this movie? The first hour is great. I mean, it's post-apocalyptic. Shia is really good. I think Shia and Jai Courtney have a pretty good chemistry. I mean, Mm -hmm. we'll get into him a little bit more later. I think Shia and Kate Mara together are pretty good. Shia and Gary Oldman don't do a whole lot for me. I don't really feel him in this role. I don't know if it's the partner. I don't know if it's the way he's portraying it. You know, of the three characters that he, or the three actors that he really deals with the most, I think him and Gary Oldman brings the least. But I was watching this movie wondering, why do people hate this movie? 
And you're right, like, it starts off really cool that Shia is this guy back from the war, he returns to this wasteland of America, and it just seems like he's scavenging to get by, and we have him breaking into this government facility, it seems like, to steal his kid, and it's jumping around in time, both from after the war to during the war to kind of before the war and also Mm -hmm. jumping around in time when they get back so like he steals the kid but in that timeline we see a lot that leads up to that after he gets back and so early on you're like what is the order of all this and it's intentionally vague and it's intentionally confusing you're trying to piece the things together eventually you realize and this is the big reveal, they were clearing out a base during a normal military procedure, and Shia gave the all-clear command to Jai Courtney and this other guy. He saw that there was a gun poking out, and before he could really warn them, it was too late, and both Jai Courtney, who's his best friend, it's this guy that he spent his entire childhood with. He's closer to Jai Courtney than to anyone, even to Kate Mara, who he's married to. Before he's able to give them the heads up, really, or he shouts... This gun kills him and the other guy. Shia's life is changed forever. And so the twist is that Shia gets PTSD and comes back and is this, like, violent, aggressive, abusive man to his wife and demanding to see their child. And the kid is scared of him and Kate Mara is scared of him and he's envisioning Jai Courtney in this post-apocalyptic future as, like, this guy that he's with. And you, you see them throughout the movie as a tag team, as a duo, trying to find the kid and trying to get water and interrogating guys and stuff like that. But then you see what it's really like, and you see Shia sleeping on the side of the highway and says, like, homeless vet, anything helps. And these landscapes, these beautiful war-torn landscapes that we see, it's just regular buildings. Like, they, they, they CGI them back into place. It's kind of a lot. I think it works, but it's also so, so heavy-handed. And as soon as you see that, it's like, oh, I get why people hate this. And (laughs) I didn't hate it, but I also was like, I don't know if I love it or not. Like, I think Shia (laughs) is great in this, and I'm pretty sure that, like, the consensus is that he's really good in this. It's just the movie around him isn't good. (laughs) And I want to give this the benefit of the doubt because we like Dito, we love Shia. You know, this is the type of movie that we like. It's just the way that it's presented, it's just a slap in the face. It's like, hey, you get it? The last hour and 20 minutes or whatever, you know, hour and 10 minutes, whenever the twist actually happens, none of that was real. Like, Shia's going crazy. The cherry on top is when the movie ends, they throw up those stats, like the facts and figures about soldiers suffering from PTSD and how many homeless vets there are and how many veterans kill themselves each day. Mm-hmm. And it's like, wow, like, okay, like... Yeah, we get, like, it's terrible, but it, it just feels, I don't know if forced is the right word, but it's, it's, there's a lot to take in. Yeah, well, I mean, I could understand all of that and why it would put people off, but I was engaged with this. It That part actually won me over. I mean, I just kept wondering, like, is it going to twist again? Is Jai Courtney, was he ever even alive, or was he always a figment of Shia's imagination, or is it just after he was killed that he started seeing him and everything you know i wasn't sure where they were gonna go so when the twist was actually that he comes back america's fine but he becomes a homeless vet on the street and just sees the world through the eyes of like it's like life is now like a terrible wasteland like i don't know i that worked on me i didn't really find it to be too heavy maybe with the stats at the end 
those intentions were, you know, going a little too far. But for me, it actually worked. And I thought it was a really interesting way to express people's points of view like you're like the, someone with PTSD you know like I mean you don't really know what they're thinking but I really found it to be an effective way to show his state of mind compared to what yeah. reality is you know like where the line was and maybe the reveal went on a little too long is kind of the thing too yeah. right like they showed him outside his window pacing around a little too much and they did a little too many things of him he's like sleeping on the street and then it morphs into like a normal street with the signage uh, they do that a few times maybe too many they kind of go back to every scene that you've seen like mm-hmm. well here's how it actually is it's like no like we get it like we we yeah. know like we don't have to see every scene what that actually means like you can show like one of each example yeah i mean also the film itself the production value isn't major hollywood studio production values going on here like it, it it feels more like a filmed play at times obviously aside from the parts where they need to you know express the visual effects and things like that but i mean for the most part it's a very quiet conversation type of movie where people are just talking to each other about like what's happened what's gonna happen you're we're going to war you know worried and him with his son talking out like code for I love you which is where the man down title comes from and they use that sort of as a code word maybe the problem is that they came out and said oh this movie is like a mind warp or like it's gonna screw and fuck with your head and it's like in yep, such yep. a crazy way like I think that is an issue because if they had just said this is a movie about PTSD and home not maybe not say it's about homeless vets but just say it's about like post-traumatic stress and let the audience discover you know all of the other stuff along the way then maybe it would have landed better it's not going for ex- I don't feel like it cares if you like it or not to a degree I feel like Dito is just saying like I'm trying to do something different with structure with narrative and with stuff like that and for me it worked but I I definitely can see you know why people why it wouldn't be their cup of tea because it doesn't have mainstream sensibilities I think that's the thing I think that what you just said is a very positive spin on it that you're right like it doesn't care if you like it or not which is exactly why people are gonna hate it I think (laughs) you can say that it's him trying something new with structure and story and style but at the same time, you're just like, hey, here's something that you probably already know, but like you're not thinking about. And it just becomes a message movie. I think the only reason that we are able to empathize with it and that it is heartbreaking is because Shia is so good in it. I think if it was mm. like, you know, for instance, like if you put Jai Courtney in the lead role, yeah, it's no awful. Way. Like it's a bad, bad yeah. movie. That's a good point. So like, Jai Courtney <laughs> has this reputation of being like a terrible actor, and he's in like every movie. Like, I don't know. He's just in bad movies though. Like that's the problem. I feel like he's a bad actor in bad movies. <laughs> but if he got like a good film, I feel like he he could if he had a chance, like he could Channing Tatum it. Like at one point, you know, like I feel like he needs that moment that Channing had with a guide to recognizing your saints. Yeah, I, I he's serviceable in this. Like this is kind of the best I've seen him, which is weird. Maybe because he's bouncing off of Shia, and I really think Shia is like going all out and and killing it in this role. There's a scene in the middle of the movie. Shia's talking to Jai Courtney on the phone because Jai Courtney breaks his mm-hmm. arm and mm-hmm. isn't sent back to war with Shia. Kate Marrett is pissed that Jai Courtney gets to stay home and Shia gets to go off. Like, she doesn't think it's fair. She doesn't understand, like, why this is happening. And Shia's like, oh, no, like, they need help here, too. And so Shia calls him on the phone from war, and he's so awkward on this phone call. And I'm like, is this the most obvious twist in the world that they're having an affair? Or is he just that bad of an actor? 
And the twist that there was an affair, at least there was like a one-time thing, it seems like, is so delayed that the more I thought about that scene, I was just like, oh, he's just a terrible, terrible actor. <laughs> and then they eventually find out, they eventually show you, they slept together, I think it seems like one time, and he's in love with her, and she thinks it's a mistake, and then Shia finds out. I was like, oh, maybe that wasn't, I'm like, no, that's still like a terrible scene, because he's so overt, like, oh, hey, man, like, uh, nothing's wrong, like, things are totally cool, like, you know, she's uh, she's great, like, uh, don't worry about it, I got everything on control over here, like, uh, it's fine. It's like they had one take, I don't know if they had one take and they used that, or they're just like, alright, like, that's, I guess that's the best we got, like, we're gonna roll with that, but it seems like several of those moments in this movie were just, you know, let's set up this idyllic life and, like, how great his family is, and then just show him as a broken man, and it just feels forced. I can hear that. I hear you there. I actually did feel like the affair storyline might have been one thing too many, but then I was kind of like, that would be the worst thing that could happen before he went to war, you know? But then the fact that his best friend died basically he blames himself for his best friend's death and then is immediately after that finds out that his best friend had betrayed him and it was sort of lying to him and everything i feel like it could have worked better to help crack him you know if they had played it up more if they had maybe cared about setting things up more as opposed to it being maybe like oh this is how i remember it and i'm not really remembering it the way it went down or something so maybe that's why it sounds or seems so strange at the time but i i hear you like jai courtney (laughs) that that scene was so telegraphed i agree like it was it was almost comical i i it's too bad because i don't think he's a very good actor and i really want to give him a chance and i think this was his chance and i just can't buy him from now on as a as a plot point that could have been utilized a lot better or it should have just been left out entirely because the trauma of him being responsible for Jai Courtney's death should be enough. It doesn't need for him to come home and then he wouldn't be talking to his wife anyway, you know, because he'd be messed up. It doesn't need that on top of it. If he's going to do that, you know, make it more prevalent throughout the entire movie. I think that's the big problem, which is like too much of that twist all at once. It's just, mm-hmm. it's not structured well. And I know that you were saying like, you know, they're, they're playing with structure, they're playing with story and everything, but there's no hint of it. And then it's just like all in your face, you know, it's just... Yeah, I almost feel like you they wanted you to take the post-apocalyptic stuff get used to that and take that for granted like that's not gonna come into play as far as the twist goes like I really felt like that's what he was saying to me and I felt like the twist was gonna be honestly that Jai Courtney never existed that Shia was fucked before he even went over there because he was creating this person to talk to in his head to get him through basic training and to get him through war. I wasn't sure if they were really playing with that until Jai Courtney dies and I was like, okay, like he was clearly a real person. So it was a little strange as to why it seemed like they were setting it up that he might not be real. And then it turns out that he isn't real, but only when Shia is back in America and sort of stalking the streets as a homeless person and looking for his son and stuff like that. So I feel like maybe he shouldn't even have been in those future scenes with Shia, with the beards, with the um, sort of hunting around in the um, in the wasteland stuff. Like that, to me, during the twist, got a little overwhelming and a little confusing, and I had to sit back after and go, okay, no, that character was a real person for most of the movie. He did exist. The other thing that's frustrating to me, just like that's frustrating, there's that scene where Shia's watching Fox News and he's watching Bill O'Reilly, and Bill O'Reilly's talking about, like, 
this bioterror threat. And the way mm-hmm. that it's presented, it's like it's imminent. You know what I mean? Like it's going to happen any day now. Like we're basically screwed no matter what we do. Have you watched Bill O'Reilly? That's how he talks. <laughs> I know, but like they, they focus on that for so long in the movie. They want the misguide you. They're like, oh, well, that's what mm-hmm. happened. That's why there's like this post-apocalyptic warfare that they attacked us and like everything is done. I feel like if you take a step back and think about things, the movie, like Shy doesn't look older. He just has a beard. And so it mm-hmm. really only took maybe a year or two and like the wasteland is devastated so i feel like if you step back and kind of analyze the movie on any level you're like oh none of this lines up and if that's the case then you're sort of waiting for the twist or maybe you've already figured out the twist you know like i don't Mm. i just yeah i I don't i don't know i definitely wasn't able to figure out that i didn't see the twist coming which (laughs) i'm a little disappointed in myself to be quite honest with you that i couldn't see that you were saying to me that you thought it was gonna be like a jacob's ladder situation that you read it might be like that's exactly kind of what it is like <laughs> yeah, you, for you the described most to me before you saw the movie like <laughs> almost the exact twist of the movie and i'm sitting there not responding like oh shit like he's gonna know exactly what happens and then for you to not pick up on it is like i guess you were just like really into it this was after the rocky marathon <laughs> the day after yeah, so maybe my attention true. was a little short there you were a broken man by the end of the rocky marathon <laughs> i crawled out of that theater yeah but I dug deep and I went the extra round. So yeah, no, I, I hear you. I think some of the stuff that helped me manage everything were those scenes with Gary Oldman, believe it or not. Not that I feel like they're great scenes, but it was sort of a moment where everything can come back around and say what went down. Like that's what they're trying to figure out, right? Like Gary Oldman brings Shia in and he's like, we need to talk about what happened. And so you're not sure if they need to talk about the attack on America. Like, is that what they're talking about? You know, because Gary Oldman seems really affected by something, but we'll come to learn that the incident in the room is what they're getting down to. But when they refer to the incident, the incident, I feel like as an audience member, you're supposed to think, oh, they're talking about the attack back home. And everything about this is how are soldiers overseas handling an attack on America. But then it's revealed to be no, like he's just he just wants Shia to face the fact of what happened, that he called the room was clear and it turned out not to be clear. So I don't know, some, some of that helped me clear the cobwebs from time to time, even <laughs> though they're not great scenes they just sort of felt like okay we can come into this room and sort of reset or figure out where we are for a few minutes before we launch back into the future or the past or i kind of wish that those scenes had more weight though because they just keep referring to the incident like mm-hmm. he's like the incident shia's like why do you keep saying the incident like let's just talk about it and then the movie doesn't talk about it like the movie brings that up so early on it's like hey we're gonna get to this thing and it's gonna change everything and they delay it so long that I wish that that was, like, more of a through line. Like, maybe my problem with it is that, like, it's not in the movie enough. Like, if that was mm-hmm. the central thread, and then you have him telling stories, you know what I mean? Like, if you mm-hmm. keep going back to that, and, like, there's more of a conversation, because their conversation is basically, hey, proves to me that you're you, okay, let's talk about this thing. And, like, there's nothing <laughs> yeah. else there. Like, if they had done more of a narrative, if they had had a deeper conversation about, like, well, how did that make you feel, or whatever, if he was more of, like, a therapist... Than like a superior officer, which I guess he's kind of like a mm-hmm. blend of the two, sort of, at least as much as the military is concerned. If there was more to that, 
I would be okay with it, or more okay with it. But, like, mm-hmm. 20 minutes into the movie, he's bringing up the incident, and then we don't find out what the incident is for, like, another 40 minutes. And it's not right. teased in a way that's appealing. It's like, just tell us about it. Because like, even Shia wants to talk about it, and Gary Oldman's like, no, we're not going to talk about it. Like, we're going to talk about some other nonsense first. Yeah, I feel like this would work better if it was structured more like a normal movie, quote-unquote normal. That it tries to be art, or be something more expressionistic, or something might be hurting it because the subject matter is a little too serious to play around with in any kind of weird way you know i feel like because it's about vets and ptsd and and homelessness like making it a cryptic visual poem isn't really the easiest way to digest this material like if it was more straightforward told more like a conventional movie i feel like a lot of this stuff would work a lot better i i still like this for what it is like i i feel i'm i'm on the side of it's working for me i i it didn't hit me as hard and heavy-handed as it's hitting you perhaps but uh, i'm willing to recognize its faults as well but i just found it to be entertaining and and very interesting to watch i mean i don't think it's bad i didn't hate the movie i actually really Mm -hmm. liked a lot of it especially i think that's mostly because shia's great we love shia obviously i really like kate mara I just wish that it was better. Like, I think what's frustrating me about this movie is that there's a potential here for, like, something great. Yeah. And it just seems, like, botched. Yeah, it could have been, like, another Fury or something, right? Like, that's what I was thinking. I was like, in no offense to Dito, because, I mean, this is only the second movie of his I've seen, but I like the guy's technique and stuff. But no offense to him, but if we had someone way more seasoned with maybe much more money behind them, I really feel like this could have gone closer to the area of something like Fury as far as emotional weight and being less obvious and stuff like that. Like, this this movie was made sometime last year. It hit the festival circuit last year. It played at Toronto right before Shia watched it for his marathon. I wonder if this didn't get more financing for the same reason that he was kicked out of Suicide Squad. Like, mm-hmm. like this is kind of an interesting movie, but, like, Shia LaBeouf's your lead? Like, I don't know. Right. Like, we're not we're not thrilled with, like, that. You know what I mean? Like, I wonder mm-hmm. if because of that reputation that studios, at least Warner, whoever made Suicide Squad, said about him, I wonder if that's what's keeping movies like this from getting more funding, or if people, if, or maybe the script sucked, and maybe people were just like, yeah, no, I'm not, like, if there's stuff, good stuff here, but, like, I'm not gonna, we're right. not gonna, we're gonna pass. Because this could have been, in the hands of, like, a more capable director, not, like, a blockbuster, but definitely a budget of, like, 30, 30 million, like, you know, like, sort of, like, a mid-level. Yeah, I mean, it could have come out under, like, the Warner Indie banner or something like that. It's kind of funny that Jai Courtney's in this, and he was in Suicide Squad, and Shia was almost in Suicide Squad with Jai Courtney. <laughs> That's kind of a fun little connection there. Well, there's there's also a reunion. It's our first reunion because it's out of order. Gary Oldman was in Lawless, so that's a reunion there. Oh, nice, nice. There is a, there. Is, I mean, there's a few things I want to talk about. They're not. I mean, we we sort of covered the movie in its entirety, or at least you know I think as as well as we can without having it in front of us. There's <laughs> one thing that just made me laugh, and it wasn't like it wasn't supposed to be funny. We sort of see the correspondence. So like Jai Courtney dies, he gets killed. Shia has it finds in his helmet. He's got like his Skype password and written like under his. This is so dumb. And under his Skype name and password is Kate Mara's Skype name. Mm-hmm. And Shy is like, well, what's this all about? And he logs onto his account and sees his correspondence back and forth, like texts of Jai Courtney calling Kate Mara and her declining the call and saying, it's over, it's done with. And him saying like, oh, come on, baby. Like we had something that was real. Like I know he's like, he's like my brother, but like what we have is undeniable. And she's like, stop calling me. And then he, Shia, as Jai Courtney, 
calls Kate Nara, she declines, and then he calls her again, and she answers, and she's like, oh my god, like, you know everything, uh. But what's, what made me laugh was that in one of the exchanges, he said something like, keep the faith, and then we yeah. get back home, Shia is, like, this is the fake reality, where Shia has, like, an awkward family dinner, and he's just sitting there. I think it's a fake reality. It could be no, that, real. No, th- that's the real before he starts before to... Before he really snaps. Before he becomes a homeless guy. Okay. Yeah, like, lead, that's what's leading up to it, yeah. And so they have this awkward family dinner, and, like, nobody's talking, and he's just staring at his food and staring at his family. And then they go upstairs, and Kate Mara's like, what can I do? Like, how can I fix this? And he says, take off your shirt. And she takes off her shirt, and she's got this hideous keep the faith tattoo like above like sort of like between like her shoulder and her breast and i was just like oh god like that's awful like it's such an ugly placement <laughs> and everything and like that's clearly why he said it like hey i saw mm-hmm. her boobs like i'm gonna i'm gonna write like a tattoo that's on there <laughs> and it was just mm-hmm. so bad i was just like oh god like that's that's terrible again i think it was an attempt at symbolism that <laughs> That fell flat because it wasn't necessary. I mean, all you, all the symbolism this movie needed was the moment when the audience is clued into the fact that the world is normal. It's not a washed out wasteland like he sees it. Like that is so strong for me that I feel like a lot of this other stuff dilutes the impact of that or could dilute the impact or, or when that reveal comes along it'll feel forced or heavy for some people because of all these other moments that don't land well you know like because he's trying to be too symbolic yeah because like that tattoo thing like it's not like an appealing tattoo or something you would think a a person would have but just for the sake of the film it needs to be there to say what he's trying to say about the moment or, or whatever and I feel like those are the times where the movie isn't working for me because I feel again like it's such a huge symbolic moment when you realize that he's crazy basically that he has come home and he has lost his mind and he is living on the streets and he is scaring his family and he is not this mad max warrior who has come back to liberate america or what he ever whatever he believes that he's still a soldier or anything like if they had just focused everything around that moment it would have worked out a lot better yeah but uh, they were just, they just tried to do too much and it just mm-hmm. I think that it works as well as it does just because of Shia. And I do want to say that the the reviews that I've skimmed or read or looked at or whatever, they all pretty much seem to say, hey, Shia's great in this. They acknowledge that he's good in this. He's just, he's trying to keep a sinking ship afloat, you know? So mm-hmm. it's uh, it's tough. I mean, I said it before in a couple different podcasts. I'll say it again. The movie he made after this, American Honey, is amazing so he can still make great things he can still be in projects that are great it's just a matter of finding that right project the right director who knows what they like the story they want to tell and how they want to tell it and going from there i'm not sure if this is like 20 percent good or 80 percent good like i don't know i can't can't tell (laughs) how much of this is good but it's an amount that's frustrating because it's just like (laughs) there's enough good stuff here that makes me want to like this more than i do it's the type of movie that you could show someone they'd be like why did you make me watch that? Like, it's it's kind of like a it's a bummer of a movie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, not everything is a happy ending, <laughs> and I kind of appreciated that. Like, it's kind of got that fury ending in a way where it's futile. Like, you can try, but there's no winning in this situation or anything. I, I I'm kind of I I respect those types of endings. You know, I feel like they earn a lot of goodwill at, if you're gonna go out on a bummer sometimes. And I give this movie credit for that because. It's only trying to stick to what it's saying. Like it, it, it may be 
clumsy and talk over itself at times, but it's not forcing itself to be something it's not. And maybe that didn't, maybe that's why, maybe that's part of the problem this time. Maybe if it was just stripped down a little more and a little less self-important, it would have played a lot better. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, uh... <laughs> I'm, I'm 75% behind this film. 75-25. I feel like that's where I can... I would not recommend this to your average <laughs> moviegoer. You know, I mean, it's just not that type of movie. It's just not made for people who go see, you know, Marvel well, films what was the vibe of the other 10 people in your theater? Like, did you get a sense, like, when they were leaving, if anybody... If they were, if they were shell-shocked themselves, or if... Uh... <laughs> for the most part, everyone just got up and left at the right. end. There weren't any audible, disgruntled groans or anything but then no one clapped either or anything okay. like that but everyone just kind of sat there and watched the movie and just kind of got up and left afterwards that's fair i guess that's better than maybe a nine percent of rotten tomatoes <laughs> i was shocked that that many people were there and that they kept coming in <laughs> i only got there like five minutes before the show started and people were still coming in what's weird about this movie sort of if you look on like fandango for instance or like at a movie theater they want you to see the new releases like they want they highlight the movies that are just coming out so they're like oh, I didn't know that Fantastic Beast was in theaters this week. I'm like, let's go see that. And so this was technically a new release, but on my Fandango thing, it was at the bottom of the movie theater, mm-hmm. and it was sort of like buried, and it only had two showings. It was like they didn't want people to know about it somehow. Like, it wasn't like, hey, check out this new Shia LaBeouf movie that we have. It opened the same weekend. Like, what else opened this past week? Oh, like La La Land. There's other movies that they emphasized, even stuff that was like well into like five or six weeks in theaters that were above this. I don't know who's yeah. just going to see this blindly. I don't think people are. I think that you sort of mm. have to make a conscious effort to seek this out. It's uh, it's strange. Yeah, this definitely had the vibe of one of those films that opens in New York and Los Angeles for a weekend. And somehow, in my case, like it made it out to the suburbs. Yep. I mean, I still had to drive 35 minutes to see it. It wasn't like at my local or anything like that. But I was shocked that it was playing at, you know, the Googleplex. Like, that there were... 20 other movies in the same building as as Man Down, which to me just felt like this very small, limited release. I'm surprised it didn't even just go straight to video on demand, you know? Like, that's insane that this, just in this day and age, this film wasn't dumped on demand, you know, something like, you know, the latest Cage movie was. It's just, yep. that baffled me about about the whole marketing and release of this. Because, I mean, have you seen a commercial? I haven't seen a no. single commercial. I've only, I only saw Shia clip of Shia on Jimmy Kimmel talking about like the, you know I've got this new movie out and and that's pretty much all the promotion I, I know about this movie. Yeah, it's just it's just not out there. I don't know like it's it's bizarre like it's crazy to me that it did, it did get a theatrical release like I, like when we first saw the date we were like oh this is almost certainly gonna be in New York and L A and then like hopefully like within a month or two we'll get it on on demand or something but no mm-hmm. like it's in like sort of regular theaters and it's not on demand from what I've seen so it's strange. Yeah, yeah it's just a, it's an anomaly unto itself. I mean is that still maybe that's the lasting power of Shia that he's young you know he's still young and he's got time to reform I guess but that his performance was good enough that some market said no let's put this in you know hundreds of theaters instead of just like 10. Someone believed, someone believed in this enough to really get it out there, and maybe it's because of the message about PTSD or whatever, or mental illness, but it's always good to... See, I'm just glad because it's always just good to see one of those little movies that could get out there, even if it can't really make a dent. Like, it's just nice to see a wide release for something as obscure as this. I just looked on Box Office Mojo to see if I could get numbers, and it's not even listed on that site. Like, it's, wow. it was not... Like, they have 96 movies... 
that were in theaters this weekend, going all the way down to The Hollers, which is the new John Krasinski-directed movie, which I think is mostly just on demand. What? That made $143. Holy crap. And Man Down is not on here, so I don't know... Like, American Honey is on this list. American (laughs) Honey is in some theater and made $995 this weekend. I can't wait to see that. I don't know where Man Down is supposed to be. It got my... 10 bucks. I'll tell you that. It, it made at least, let's see, it made at least 100 bucks yeah. from my theater that night. And it so. made like 13 from me. Maybe it was, I don't know. This is clearly like a definitive listing of like all the movies and it's just not on here. So I don't know. It's bizarre. It's so bizarre. <laughs> so strange. Any other thoughts about Man Down that you want to cover before we wrap up? Uh, there was just one more thing that I, uh, I just wanted to mention. I, I mentioned to you before we recorded, but the only other person in this movie, aside from everyone we mentioned basically, and the drill sergeant but i hadn't really seen him in anything i I wish it was falcon i love anthony mackie so i i I was picturing the drill sergeant as anthony mackie but it wasn't him but the only other guy i recognized and i was glad to see him show up was one of my new favorite character actors clifton collins jr who plays the homeless guy that they find on the street and you know he's been in everything from capote to pacific rim to this season of westworld he's really great in. so uh that was really good i'm glad he was in this movie when he showed up i sort of perked up a little more and uh, paid a little closer attention and stuff. So that's pretty much it. I just wanted to give him a shout out because I really like him as an actor. He was good in this movie. And I mean, he gets shot and killed by Shia. So there we go. So that is officially a wrap on all his movies. This is the closing of the book. We had a sort of a question mark closer a couple weeks ago when we recorded Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind, not knowing if or when we would get to see this movie. But here it is, the final chapter and the first chapter. Episode zero (laughs) and episode 30, Man Down. That's it. The beginning is the end is the beginning is the end. Everything that has a beginning has an end, as the Oracle says in the Matrix Revolutions, which is coming to Keanu Club in just like three months, so stick around. And for more All His Movies and Keanu Club and Cage Club and all of our podcasts, you can go to cageclub.me or facebook.com slash cageclub, see all the episodes that we've done, you can see all the shows on our network, lots of fun, free things for you to listen listen to. I try to post new weird links every day on our Facebook page. You know, right now we're getting a lot of Shia rap beef articles that I'm posting. <laughs> He's officially been banned from the city of Atlanta by, I don't remember what rapper, some rapper just banned him from Atlanta because of his Hot 97 or whatever freestyle he had, so Shia, I mean, you can just come hang out in New Jersey if you want, uh, but yep. lots of fun free things and weird links about Shia's rap beefs at facebook.com slash cageclub and cageclub.me. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. And that was the final chapter in all his movies. We'll never see you again. I- Yeah.